Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Russell Heath about the dangers of leading with fear in the workplace. Russell Heath, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation today. You have a great background, and we're going to be exploring together the dangers of leading with fear in the workplace. There, fear plays a big role in the workplace, unfortunately. So we're going to talk about how to overcome fear and how to lead uh, without fear. I, I know some leaders really do lean on fear tactics quite a bit, but that can cause a lot of problems. Uh, within a team dynamic and within you know an organization, if you're trying to drive uh, effectiveness uh, and overall innovation and creativity. As we get started, I wanted to share Russell's bio with everybody. Russell Heath came to leadership coaching after many years leading environmental organizations, mission-driven coalitions, and political campaigns in Alaska. In those efforts, it became clear to him that the essential element in the success or failure of any campaign or project was the quality of its leadership. And that leadership was more a function of character and being than it was of skills and techniques. In service to his own leadership, he moved to New York City and entered a rigorous leadership coaching program. Transformed by that experience, he decided to become a coach himself. He's a graduate of Accomplishment Coaching, one of the nation's premier coaching schools, and has become coaching professional, has been a coaching professional since 2012. He coaches leaders in both for-profit corporations and nonprofit organizations and high-performing professionals committed to making things happen in the world, their organizations, or their lives. He also works with entrepreneurs who are committed to building their businesses. In addition to his nonprofit work, his professional background includes many years as an IT project manager and systems analyst. He has written two novels, lived in Italy and Australia, traveled twice around the world, once overland and once alone by sail. He dances tango and swing, sings, thrives on serious backcountry expeditions. And when he left Alaska in 2010, he bicycled to Mexico via the Continental Divide. His next trip is to row around Newfoundland. And his next project is to write a book about sailing around the world. Uh, What a tremendous background. Uh, It's a true pleasure to meet you and have a chance to, to talk with you and and see how you weave in all of your life's experiences and all these different uh, facets into our discussion today. Before we launch into that conversation, anything else you would like to share with uh, listeners by way of your personal background or context? Well, I'll just say that fear was a large part of it. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, if we're going to talk about fear today, I don't think it's something that human beings uh, um, um, avoid unless they don't push themselves. 
So whatever it is in life where you're pushing, you're coming up against your kind of outer boundaries, you're going to experience fear. And the question really becomes is how do you manage that? Who are you being in the face of your own fear? And uh, I hope we dig into that more deeply, but I just want to make it clear on all those things that you mentioned, fear was a major component. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love that. And I, I think we all need to be looking for ways to stretch and to grow and to get outside of our comfort zone. And that always means there's going to be some fear involved. And and like you said, the, the question isn't whether there will be fear. Of course, there will be fear. Uh, we And we're wired to have the fight or flight response. The, so the question is, how do we cope with the fear? How do we respond to the fear and interact with that you know, uh, that initial emotion that we feel, uh, you know, we, we can't choose that initial emotion, but we can choose how we respond to it afterwards. And so I, I think that's a really great um, lesson that we all need to repeatedly learn and relearn. Um, as we launch into this, let's, let's frame this now in terms of fear in the workplace. How does fear impact the workplace um, and clearly, it, it, it feeds into every aspect of our lives. Uh, but I, I think so many individuals are, are so uh, driven by fear. They, they, they're, uh, they're paralyzed often by fear. Uh, what role does that play? And then we can start talking about how we might try to overcome that. Yeah, so that's, that's not a simple question. There's a thousand different things that I could say in response to it. Let me see how I can organize it in a way. Because there, there are two things. One is is fear is going to be present anytime you're challenging yourself. So in, in a way, in, in a small way, the fear is indicative that you're being challenged, all right? Now the question <clears throat> becomes as a, from a leader's point of view, the leader has the, you know, the fear of being a leader or the fear of showing up in his workplace. There's going to be, there may well be that fear. And there's also that fear can be used as a tool in the sense of my, I use my leadership in service of fear, of causing fear in others to get what I want. So you see the distinction I'm making? And I would yeah. say that, you know, as a, as a leader, get to know, acknowledge and distinguish fears that you may have and fear may be that your employees don't respect you maybe you're going down the wrong road or that you you don't know what you're doing you know this you're stepping off a cliff here so there are those kind of fears but if that fear then gets translated into how you manage or you you or that fear then becomes you drive others or you lead through using a fear then you're going to have a real toxic workplace because people yeah. don't respond well to fear one, they'll leave. Two, they won't be creative. They won't. They won't take risks because they're afraid of what your how your response is going to be, and um, you know the organization is going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. And I, to your point, I, I think imposter syndrome is very common. That's a common fear that leaders have. That you know they 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 are are they really up to the challenges that they're facing, and they have to put on a brave face for their people and so forth. And are they doing a good enough job? Those types of insecurities, those types of fears, I think are natural. I think everyone has them uh, at one point or another. But it's a it's an entirely different thing to take those kind of natural insecurities and to an extent, I would say even healthy 
humility. Um, now, if, if someone's so paralyzed by their imposter syndrome and their fear of messing up that they can't ever make decisions and move things forward, that's a problem. Um, and that's fear controlling them. But I think everyone, you know, has the fear and everyone needs to have a level of intellectual humility about what they bring to the table and recognizing that, yeah, they don't have all the answers. Yes, they don't know um, how to respond to every challenge. They have to lean on the expertise of their people in order to do that. And I think that's to, to an extent healthy as long as you're not paralyzed by it. Um, but what, what you then described was what often happens is people, leaders take that insecurity and then they pass it on to their people through fear-based tactics and really manipulative and coercive and exploitative tactics in the workplace to try to get people to do stuff. And can you lead by fear and get stuff done? Absolutely, you can in the short term. Can you lead by fear and get stuff done sustainably in the long term? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, there are crisis situations where um, command and control leadership styles and more authoritarian leadership styles can be attractive to people and, and people will look to those sorts of quote unquote strong leaders who might even use fear-based tactics. But in the long term, in a normal kind of day-to-day -day life scenario, um, you know, it, it undermines trust, it undermines relationships, it undermines uh, people's sense of the, their self and their work. And like you said, people tend to end up leaving that situation or they're so, um, they're, they're, they're so overwhelmed by the fear in the workplace that they just, they retreat and they end up doing kind of the bare minimum to, to stay below the radar, um, not draw attention to themselves, get enough done so that their job is safe. And then they just move forward. And that's not a dynamic innovative workplace, is it? So, so the, the challenge again is recognizing the fears that we have, we all have them, uh, but not allowing those insecurities to then feed over into how we try to lead our people. Yeah, I, I mean, there are a number of things you said there. Like, let me just tease out two. One is that we have fears, whether it's posture syndrome, not feeling good enough or, 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 or you know, not that you, you may not deserve the position. You, you may have those kind of fears, but the more that you hide those fears, the more that you try and pretend that, <clears throat> pretend that you don't have them usually exasperates them. So the more you resist something, the more it stays around. And so part of being a good leader is both acknowledging them and then being straight with the people around you that you've got them. Or, or to work within them as opposed to trying to hide them. So you can't run away from them. They're there. Two, the, the second thing is, I see fear, like I also see like anger. Anger, or I'll just stick with fear. Fear is kind of a default behavior. We know how to cause fear in other people, particularly if we're in a position of authority. That is a default. That's kind of an automatic thing that we can do, right? So when I see some a leader acting or causing fear in his direct reports, right? I'm saying, right, that person's not being skillful. That person does not have either the, the behaviors or the skills with which to actually engage somebody towards a common goal or a common end, you know, in your in your company. And so <clears throat> so the so the two things is one is there, a leader has to be vulnerable. You have to be straight with yourself about what, what it is that you're afraid of and work within that vulnerability and to develop themselves so that they're skillful 
so that they can they have other ways of engaging people other than fear. So that would be the that would be the two steps as a coach where I work, and they're actually pretty related. Uh, to develop within that within a leader a way of working within a sphere. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's great, and it, it raises the issue that I think is common in organizations, and that is the vulnerability piece you mentioned. A lot of leaders feel like that's a sign of weakness. Uh, mm -hmm. That that if they show that vulnerability, if they if they admit that they have the fears, um, if they express that to their people, that somehow they're going to be exploited. Sometimes somehow they're going to be taken advantage of. Um, and so then you, what you end up having is a lot of leaders that don't admit to the fears that are driving them or, or that maybe are, they're translating over into how they interact with their people. And to your point, if, if they're not acknowledging it, if they're not, uh, labeling it and they're not responding to it, then it's going to, it's going to really control them and largely they're, they're not going to be able to get past it. Right. Again, we all have fears. We all do. You, I, I imagine when you're sailing around the world alone, that there's a lot of fears. And I imagine there's some rough nights um, on rough seas. And I suspect even that there are times you might have even feared for your life as you're going and doing that. Um, but you, when you have the, the, the techniques and you have um, the coping skills and you have the people you can lean on, you can be vulnerable, you can then name it, acknowledge it, and then you can start to move on from it and not allow it to control you. And unfortunately, so many um, senior leaders and executive leaders, they do just that. They don't, they don't, they won't acknowledge it. And then it does largely control them. And then inevitably it ends up bleeding into their leadership style and how they end up interacting with other people, um, which isn't sustainable. It's not healthy. It becomes toxic. Uh, there's no trust, so on and so forth. There's a, there's a favorite movie I'd like to point some of my leaders that I'm coaching to, and it was called Catch Me If You Can. And you know, it was about a con man. And he wasn't a, 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 a small time con man. He, he pretended he was a doctor when he had no medical training. He pretended he was a pilot when he had no aviation training, right? And the way he got through it was, is they always defer to his people below him. He said, well, what would you think? How would you do this? How would you solve this problem? Right. And, you know, when when reporters and this is a true story, the, the movie was based on a true story. And when, when some journalists went back and talked to the people that were working for this con man, they said, oh, he was our best boss because he didn't have to come from a position. That I have to know I have to be right. He came from a position of, hey, I'm going to empower these guys to make the right decision. And that's the difference between vulnerability and weakness. So weakness is it is a bad thing not to know. And therefore, I'm not going to let people know that I don't know. Vulnerability is, hmm, I don't really know this, but let's let's see what the what the rest of the crew thinks and see if we can solve it together. So you're taking a risk there. That's the vulnerability is not about about weakness. Vulnerability is about taking a risk. It's usually an emotional risk. I mean, sailing around the world could be a physical risk, but in leadership, it's usually an emotional risk to say, hey, I don't know how to solve this. What do you guys think? Let's have a brainstorming session here. Who's come up with the right idea? And again, the strength or the fear might be, I'm not good enough to come up with the answer. Or the fear might be, I have to perform. You know, I'm a C-suite guy and I've got to have all the answers. But that's really weakness because it's really brittle because you don't have all the answers. The power comes 
by saying to your direct reports, the people under you, hey, what's the best way through here? What do you got for us? I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I love the movie. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. That's a great like homework assignment for anyone who hasn't watched it recently. Uh, lots of really great lessons from that movie. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think when we are vulnerable, it shows that that's the greatest showing of confidence um, that you can have. Uh, when, when people have the false vibrato and, the, and they pretend like everything's fine, uh, people aren't stupid. They know everything's not fine. And they know that that person doesn't have all the answers. But when the leader, when he or she always puts themselves forward as though they have all the answers, uh, and they never admit to the challenges they're facing, or they never have any vulnerability, it's it just shows their insecurity, it shows their weakness. And, and so I know it's a little bit counterintuitive, perhaps, um, but not really for anyone who's encountered a lot of people uh, and noticed you know, th those who are successful and those who aren't. And we've all seen successful leaders. We've all seen unsuccessful leaders. Um, unsuccessful leaders may be able to, to um, secure their position through hoarding power. That's, that's how they tend to do it. Uh, and so they may be quote unquote successful because they, they maintain their power, but they're not successful in the sense that they're actually driving good behaviors and they're actually creating a good environment where, pe where their people can do the work because it is the people uh, in an organization that do all of the work that, that innovate and create value in the marketplace for the customers. It's not the leadership. The leadership just hopefully helps to facilitate all of the work that the, their people are doing. Yeah, two, th two, two thoughts there. One is, you know, a leader would be good, or it would be, be, it would be a good rule as a leader to have that the purpose of my leadership is to develop the people beneath me so that they can take my job. So the extent to which you're developing your people beneath you, right? And, and I'm talking in a hierarchical sense, not in a moral sense, of course, and uh, uh, <clears throat> beneath you so that they can take your job is the extent to which you're being a leader. You're growing people. That's essentially what leadership is. And then there's the other side too, is that leadership also has to provide a structure, if you will, 
to get things done. So, you know, if you go to different styles of leadership, there's one called the democratic style or the consensus style, where everybody gets a say from the male clerk, you know, to the president gets a say, and then they sit there and they squabble forever. It's hard to have the, the organization move through. So a powerful leader, a leader who's not leading through fear is able to, to say no to additional debate and to move things forward. Okay, but do new, move things forward in a way that brings people with them. All right, so in, in the coaching jargon would be to enroll people in the direction, all right, so <clears throat> after the debate's been had. So, so it's, it's, it's important that your listeners understand that, that not leading from fear does not mean being a doormat. Right? Absolutely. Leading, leading powerfully means bringing people with them, even people that may not be fully in agreement with the direction. Because particularly with a big organization, you're, not, you're always gonna have people yeah. that say, I think it's better to do X instead of Y. But because of their larger commitment to the organization, the mission, and to respect to the leadership, they're going to do, they're, they're going in the direction they're going. Yeah, and that again is built with trust in relationship building over time, right? Um, the greatest asset we have as a leader, I think, is our reputation. Um, and so even if you have a new person to the team uh, who hasn't been around a long time, I don't have a strong relationship with them, they're gonna talk to their coworkers and they're gonna talk about, hey, John, this guy that I'm working with, how is he, how is he to work with? Um, and so that reputation, the track record, the history that I have with my people, the relationships, the trust, the empowerment um, that has happened or hasn't happened, that's going to then feed into when people are willing to follow me in a direction that maybe they don't completely agree with. I've given them a chance to share. I've listened uh, with real intent and, and they've been heard, but now I'm going in a different direction. It's, it's when I have the, that trust with my people, they recognize that I and moving forward in good faith, and I'm going to lean on them and their expertise as we continue to try to implement and, and execute, that's when that's going to happen, even if they disagree with me. Um, what ends up happening when you have more fear-based tactics and when people don't feel like they've been heard, they don't have a chance to contribute in some way, that uh, ultimately, if there's fear-based leadership, they will nod and they will say yes and then they will do passive aggressive things behind the scenes to try to either undermine what the leader was trying to accomplish, or they'll just simply stall out and they won't do the stuff uh, that they're supposed to do. And either way, it ends up hindering the, the progress that you know, the leader had intended. Um, so again, fear-based in, in the long term and in this, from a sustainable perspective just doesn't really work. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk with you a little bit about was how do you work with your people to help reduce or eliminate their fear. Uh, because so often we have team dynamics, we have, we have um, hostile work environments, we have toxic work environments, people don't feel safe to speak up, to speak out, to challenge each other, to challenge their boss. Um, you know, they, they, there's not that psychological safety there where they feel like they can uh, push back. They can be the conscientious dissent, so to speak, um, in their team. And, and a lot, large part of that is because of fear. We're fearful of retaliation. We're feel, fearful of our job security and our opportunities for our, our additional advancement in the, in the organization, whatever the case may be, but it's largely a fear-based thing. How do we get past that and help our people to get past that? Yeah. So 
there's again, I just want to make a distinction between the fears that we're kind of talking about. So one is there's a fear of, you know, of, you know, imposter syndrome or not feeling good enough. Okay. And when I'm working with a leader or with anybody on that, because we all have our fears, generally I don't work to reduce the person's fear. What I do is increase their courage, increase their willingness to move into scary situations, understanding what the, the real impact is. And, and to be blunt, the real impact is an emotional impact. It's feeling uncomfortable. You may, you know, the, our fear is almost never about somebody attacking us with a knife or some kind of physical fear. It's almost always, particularly in a, in a corporate environment, in a, in a um, business environment, it's an emotional fear. And the emotional fear is fear of failure, fear of looking foolish, fear of being wrong, fear of being rejected. Those are the fears that we fear. And the question I'll ask a, a boss or a leader is, is it more important for you to you know, fulfill on your, your the organization's mission or is it to protect yourself from feeling rejected or, or failing, the, the feeling of failing? And you know, when you put it that way, they say, well, the mission's far more important than my, my petty concerns here about looking like a fool, right? So, but that's their choice of which way they wanna go on it. So it's building up your courage, building up your willingness to, to, to move through your fear. Again, anybody who's challenging themselves in life, whether it's at, in their corporate environment or at home with their, with their spouses, anything, anybody who's challenging is gonna come up against their fear. That's, that's a given. You don't, you, don't, you don't run from it. Then the other kind of fear that we're talking about is, is when we're using fear as a weapon or we're using fear as a leadership tool, right? And how do you create a, an environment in which people are, are willing to say, hey, boss, I don't think that's a really wise idea. Let's try this over here, right? Where do they feel comfortable having really difficult conversations? Well, again, that's something that the leader has to model. And the leader models it by both encouraging it. And then when it happens, no retribution. Say, thank you. And I appreciate your coming in, but we're going to go over this way or whatever. But creating that space. And Really, it's the modeling that's important. And it's important, again, for the leader to be able to walk into difficult situations, be present, be open, be respectful, and then make the decisions, either you know, consensually or, or individually in his, in, his, in, his, you know, in his or her position as the boss. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I, I appreciate the distinctions that you're making because there are different forms and types of fears that, that can drive us. Um, ultimately, I, I think the bottom line is we can utilize fear as a healthy motivator to an extent uh, if, if we're willing to be courageous um, and face those fears and, and you know, take it as a personal challenge, for example, um, and I imagine this was probably something that at least partially motivated you in sailing around the world by yourself. Like there are certain things I have a, a fear of heights. Um, it's a physical and emotional fear of heights that I have. I know logically in my brain, if I'm harnessed into something that I'm perfectly safe, but it doesn't matter once you put me up high, um, I, I'll, I'll still have that, that, uh, physiological reaction and that emotional reaction. But when I face the fear, when I'm willing to step out and be a little bit courageous, then I can start to learn uh, how to, to manage that fear. And I can actually learn uh, to, to bypass it uh, to a certain extent. Now, I, I, I'll probably always be scared of heights. 
Um, and we can, that's just a silly example, but we all have our fears that we may never um, be fully able to get past. We don't need to be able to get past them. Uh, we just need to be able to acknowledge them. We need to be able to um, cope with them. And then we need to be able to, to leverage them and turn them into uh, courage-based drive towards action. And if we can also just remember as leaders to try to avoid fear-based tactics um, because they, they aren't sustainable, uh, we will undermine our, our perceived power, authority, and influence if we're using fear-based tactics with our people. Um, so we, we, if we can try to avoid that whenever possible and try to reassure people and model, like you said, through our behaviors, through our actions, our words, um, how uh, to create a psychologically safe environment for people to be able to challenge and push back and speak up, uh, all of that then can create a more dynamic environment the type that will lead to greater creativity and innovation for our people, our teams, our organizations. Well, Russell, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, I, I imagine we could go on and on and on, um, but I, I do notice our time is running short. I did want to give you a chance before we close to share with listeners how they can get in touch with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. All right. So, you can find me Google Russell Heath coaching and I should pop right up, you know, depending on what algorithm coaching uh, Google's using that day. Uh, but my website is russellheath.net, N-E-T. You can find me there, contact me. Anybody coming bearing your name, Jonathan, all right, I'll, I'll give them um, a 10% off in the first month if they hire me. So, so um, all of you leaders out there who really want to up your game, give me a ring. And then here's the last word today. And that is that, and this is, this is really introducing a new topic, but it's a key one, is that often we use fear through a lens of, victim, of victimhood. Somebody is doing something to me. And I don't care whether you're a white male at the pinnacle of your, of your profession, at, you know, president of something, I can guarantee you that person often looks through a lens of victimhood. Somebody is doing something to me. All you have to do is listen to the Koch brothers they feel like they're victims of environmentalists and socialists and whatnot, right? That sense of victimhood gives people permission. This is human, right? Gives people permission to, to use fear-based tactics on other people. It gives us permission to, to do what we think we're, is being done to us. We pass on the pain. And so what I would encourage people to do is notice when they're being in a, uh, using, looking at the world through a victim lens. I used to, well, I don't want to get too complex here. And a victim lens is somebody's doing something to me. It could be your neighbor. It could be somebody of a different race. It could be God, whomever. But if you're looking through the world through the lens of somebody's doing something to me, be very careful because your response is almost always going to be fear-based. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that. Thank you, Russell. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected with Russell, find out more about what he and his organization can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, 
leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.